The Tennis Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gam Podcast and Eric presented by Bird Dog Shorts. Dominate summer with an amazing pair of shorts and a free Yeti-style tumbler when you order over at birddogs.com slash pool. That's birddogs.com slash pool. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gam Podcast Network. It is currently Friday evening, June 23rd, and I'm your host, as always, Scott Rochelle, once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a fun one, but a bit of a, of a short one, because we only have four matches to go through. It is semifinal time in Halle and in London over at Queen's Club, so we'll be going through the semifinal matches. Then, of course, we'll go through the final and do that preview next episode. But before we get into any of the previews for the matches, do want to recap how we did on the last episode. Lots to recap because we have not just lock and dog picks, but we also have outrights, which we have to discuss. So starting off with the lock and dog, overall not great. Ended up getting the lock voided. Had Batista Goot minus the spread against Altmaier. Altmaier we knew was injured, but he ended up trying to tough it out anyway until it was after the podcast recorded. Then Altmaier decided that he was too injured to actually participate. He ended up withdrawing, and Vavasori took his place. Batista good killed him, but that didn't do us any good because we had our bet voided. As for the dog, wasn't even close. Had Murray Moneyline against Diminor at even money. And unfortunately for us, Murray got buried. I'm not a Murray guy. I've stated it several times on the podcast. I had him a little bit above Dimitrov. I don't want to say in my hatred meter, but in my distrust meter, I think it's safe to say Murray's officially joined Dimitrov now as the if I bet on them again, you can punch me in the face category. So I'm not doing that again, but Dimitrov uh, basically curb stomped him in his home country. Anyway, so that's uh, overall not a great episode with the lock and dog picks. However, I have been pretty active with picks into the Discord on the SGPN server. If you are not a member of the SGPN Discord, you should be because it's free to enter and you get a bunch of free picks, not just from me, but from anybody who is gambling and wants to share their opinions on that server. A lot of sharp minds in a lot of different sports. There's different sections for it. Tennis, soccer, college basketball, college football, NFL, NBA. You get my point. Every sport, we got you covered there on the server. So if you do want to join that and occasionally get some extra tennis picks, I know the tennis server is pretty active with WTA picks as well. So if you want to join that, you can. It's free to do. But I was giving out a couple of picks uh, throughout the last couple of days, and those both won. I gave out her catch over two and a half sets against Greek Spore. That went three. That was around plus 120. And I gave out uh, Batista Agut plus one and a half sets against Medvedev, and he ended up winning that match outright on Friday. So recently, the picks have been good. But if you're only following the podcast, the lock and dog picks were not great. Either way, We'll look for a sweep in this episode, but we do want, we do have to at least discuss how we did in the outright section because we had a lot of quarter plays, and overall, it could have been a really, really profitable Friday, an insanely profitable Friday. Instead, it was somewhat profitable, but there were a couple of bets that I wish we hit. Anyway, starting off in order, in Hala, we had Zverev and Jari to win the quarter. They played against each other. Jari was the bigger plus price, but Zverev won it, so we did win with Zverev. Small plus price there. On top of that, we also had Medvedev and Batista Agut, so we automatically won two quarter outrights entering the matches on Friday. But luckily for us, this time, the long shot did win. Uh, Batista Agut was plus 700 to win the quarter, and we had that, and that definitely helped cover some of the losses we had in London. But anytime you hit a 7-1 quarter bet, it feels very good. And I am happy that Batista Good got over the finish line. 
Then to go through the London tournament, we had a quarterfinalist in every single match, and we went one and three, which sucks because there were a couple of decent plus prices there. Starting off with the winner, we had Alcaraz, a minus 138 to win the quarter. He beat Dimitrov 6-4, 6-4. We had Nori at around plus 125. He lost in straight sets to Korda. Going into the match, I mentioned it on Discord. I actually liked Korda to win. Korda's been really good in this event, so I wasn't totally shocked that Nori ended up losing. But either way, did lose the outright there. We had Musetti at plus 220 to win the quarter against Rune. Unfortunately, Musetti had a couple set points there in the second set, failed, immediately got broken, and lost the second set 7-5. So lost the plus 220 dog there. And then you had the biggest underdog that we had in the quarter section of London. We had... Manorino to win the quarter. And unfortunately, he lost a bit of a war there with Diminor. So that would have been a very nice plus price. But either way, point is, didn't exactly do that well in London. Did pretty well in Hala with Batista Gut leading the way at plus 700. So once again, we made some profit, not an insane amount. It could have been an insane amount, but that didn't work out. As for the outrights to win the tournament, we have nothing left in London. At least I don't believe we have anything left in London. And for Hala, we have Zverev to win the event. So hopefully Zverev gets it done, and hopefully he'll be able to cash us another outright. For the sake of the quarters, we made money. Wish it was more, but either way, did end up making some profit. And it is good to finish with any type of positive gain but we had a chance to make it a seriously profitable show. And unfortunately, it was only somewhat profitable. Anyway, uh, besides that, though, before we get into any of the semifinal matches, do want to take care of some housekeeping and some news. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is actually not fully tennis related. It's tennis themed. And that's going to be the movie trailer that came out for Zendaya's new movie. Do I remember what it's called? No, I do not, but it's a tennis movie involving Zendaya being a tennis phenom, and then she basically, I don't, I don't know if she falls in love with two separate tennis players, or she just tries to torture them, but the point is, there's some type of love triangle going on, and it just so happens that they're tennis players. First things first, it is not a tennis movie, as far as I'm concerned. As far as I am concerned... It is a softcore porn flick that is surrounded by tennis themes or tennis, uh, I'd say, settings. So I'm not counting that as a tennis movie. As, of course, a tennis fan, I am not happy about it because I do like tennis and I wish there was more tennis movies out there. You had a couple. King Richard came out. That won an Oscar. Uh, but that was pretty good with Will Smith playing the father of Venus and Serena, which was pretty good. Besides that, there was a movie a while back about the McEnroe and Borg rivalry, which I believe Shia LaBeouf played McEnroe, which I thought was pretty decent. That came out a couple years ago. Besides that, you have Wimbledon, which was not a good movie involving an older uh, British guy winning Wimbledon while also falling in love with the redhead Mary Jane from Spider-Man. I don't remember her name, so sorry there. But for the sake of this, I don't think it's actually a tennis movie. I think it's basically a half-teenage porno flick uh, mixed with some tennis themes and overall characters just so happen to be playing tennis. But the only good part about the movie the trailer was definitely not the trailer itself. I thought the movie looks like it's going to suck. It was the memes that came out involving Tom Holland being a cuckold. I thought those were pretty funny. Uh, besides that, though, the biggest contribution I made, or at least I had for the actual movie, was an alternative title 
which I will call the movie from now on because I don't remember the real name of the title. I'm going to call it Spider-Man Far From Hole, and I feel like that is pretty accurate based on the trailer. Uh, goes with the memes that we saw. Sorry, Tom Holland. It's okay. You're Spider-Man. You'll get over it. But yeah, I'm not going to see Spider-Man Far From Hole. Uh, if you are, I hope you enjoy it, but that is not for me. Also, not the biggest Zendaya fan, just personally. I don't think she's very attractive. But either way, if you do, that's fine too. But anyway, that was my brief discussion for tennis cinema and how I don't exactly consider this to be a part of it. But anyway, besides that, transitioning over from cinema to real life, you had more photos and romantic gestures, I guess, by Sitsipas and Badoza on Twitter and Instagram. Good for them. They have a lot of free time because Sitsipas keeps losing early in tournaments. So I hope they're enjoying the honeymoon phase of their relationship. A Sitsipas keeps losing. I'm happy about that. I'm not a Sitsipas fan, but if they're happy, then I'm happy, I guess. Once again, because Sitsipas keeps losing, and I don't like him as a player. Uh, besides that, I know I'm not alone on that. Sitsipas also had a couple of quotes that were officially aired in the recent episode of Breakpoint, which is that documentary-style I think it's a Netflix series that goes through tennis players on tour. And Sitsipas had some comments about uh, Kyrgios in the Wimbledon fiasco. And some of those quotes actually leaked early. And I commented on one of the quotes on Twitter. And I think I got like a thousand likes just criticizing Sitsipas. Yeah, Sitsipas, not a liked guy. That's kind of the point I'm trying to make. I'm not trying to flex on how many guys like the tweet that I made. But my point is a lot of guys, a lot of people don't like Sitsipas. And I can't really blame them. So either way, point is Sitsipas has been involved in a lot of potential drama, not a lot of winning, and that's kind of the trade-off there. But I don't really have much more to add. I want to talk about some of the injuries that happened over the last few days, starting off with the actual tournament in Hala. You saw Sinner have to retire mid-match against Bublik on Friday as he suffered an adductor injury, which is extremely unfortunate. Sinner is one of my favorite players, but I recognize the injury issues, the constant injury issues surrounding his career, and unfortunately, he will be out. I'm not sure how long. I'm hoping he doesn't miss uh, Wimbledon, but we'll keep an eye out for it, but he did end up retiring through an abductor injury or because of it. And the other big news, which is bigger news, Kashanov is officially out of Wimbledon with a back injury, and he's been playing good tennis. He made a couple deep runs in the French Open and in Australia, but unfortunately, he decided earlier Friday, Friday morning, that he was going to miss Wimbledon with a stress fracture in his back. So anytime you hear the word fracture, that's not a good sign. So he will not be playing. Hope he can, hopefully, he can make a full recovery. Uh, he has been playing really good tennis, and he's also pretty good on grass. So that is unfortunate, but I wanted to at least discuss it. But that's going to do it for the actual news and recap. Now it's time for the actual match previews. Starting off in chronological order, the plan for the show. Going through the actual times, they start at the exact same time. You have Hala and London, both starting at 8 p.m. Uh, 8 a.m., I mean, Eastern time. So with that being the case, I'll go in alphabetical order. Starting off with the Bublik and Zverev match in Hala. You have Zverev is a pretty big favorite here at minus 240. Bublik is plus 200 the other way. As for the spread, Zverev minus three games is minus 101. Bublik plus three games is minus 119. Over under 23 and a half. Over is plus 105. Under is minus 125. And besides that, if you want Zverev to win in straight sets, that is plus 105. Bublik to win a set is minus 135. The alternative over under 24 and a half is plus 110 on the over, minus 140 to the under, 
and three sets in the match is plus 140. Now, looking at the actual head-to-head between these players, it has been quite competitive in years past. They faced off three times. Bublik is actually ahead two to one. They faced off one time this year on clay, and Zverev did win that one in three sets. They faced off on hard court in France last year and in Rotterdam on hard court in 2021, and Bublik won both of those in straight sets. Now, does that matter? Not really, because once again, this is grass, and we are in Zverev's home country, so I do think Zverev will be able to get the job done. I will give props to Bublik, though, who's looked very sharp, beat Chorich in straight sets, beat Struff, who was in good form in three sets, and beat Sinner in a set and a half. Uh, but Zverev's been good, too, has not dropped the set, beat Team in straight sets, beat Chapo in straight sets, and beat Jari in straight sets. So I do think the form is relatively even for both guys, but Bublik, the issue I have is always going to be his mental state and how he's so unpredictable and how he can easily punt the service game, trying to serve underhand or just trying to make a show of the whole situation instead of actually trying to win. He's a fun entertainer, but it does cost his win-loss record at times. And Zverev does have very consistent forehand and backhands, and I do think that you're going to see him potentially wear down Bublik over this match. I'm not sure if I think Zverev's going to win in straight sets. I think Bublik can make this interesting. I think Zverev's going to win. But as for the actual game spread and the set spread, I don't think I really have much. I think I'd maybe make a case for Zverev minus two and a half games uh, just because Bublik might punt the set if he falls behind early. But I really don't see much value in this match. I think Zverev's going to win. But once again, I think it might be competitive so I really don't have much from a side or a total, but I am going to lean to Zverev to win the match, and hopefully he'll survive for the sake of our outright on him to win the tournament. But moving on to the next match, you have Rublev taking on Batista Agut. And for this match, Rublev is favored at minus 135. Batista Agut is around plus 115. The spread is minus one for Rublev. At minus 110, Batista Agut plus one, also minus uh, also minus 110. Over-under is 23 and a half games. Over is minus 101. The uh, under is minus 121. If you want it to go three sets, that is plus 125. Uh, Rublev to win in straight sets is plus 170. Batista Agut to win in straight sets is plus 275. Now, looking at the actual head-to-head, once again, pretty competitive head-to-head series between these players. In fact, it is five to four, so it is very, very close. Uh, to go through the recent results, though, it has been very, very fun when these guys get together. They faced off in Adelaide, and Batista Good won that one in three sets. That was early in January. They faced off in Rome last year in uh, 2021. Rublev won in, in straight sets. Faced off in Monte Carlo. Rublev won in three. Faced off in Doha. Batista Good won in straight sets. Those were all 2021 and beyond. So the point is they've had one match against each other in roughly the last two years. So that doesn't really mean much to me. So I am going to go with the recent head to a recent form, I should say, with these players. And Rublev has been involved in a couple of really long matches. He went three sets against Yibbing, uh, had a tiebreaker 8-6 against Hoffman, and won that one in straight sets, then came back from a set down against Greek Spore, who was in good form. But Batista Guts looked really good in this event. He beat Vavasori in straight sets, ended up beating Nakashima, and beat Medvedev in straight sets. So I do kind of wonder why Rublev is minus 135. I get the argument he's the higher-seeded guy. Batista Gut might be older. 
But still, the point is head-to-head-wise, it's 5-4, so it's relatively even. And Batista Gut just beat Medvedev, so he's clearly in better form than Rublev right now. I'm going to take the plus 115. I really don't agree with these odds at all. I think it should be closer to minus 110 apiece. Maybe a small minus 115 on Rublev, minus 105 on Batista Gut. But give me the value at plus 115. I really like how Batista Gut's played. That's why we gave him out to win the quarter. It's because even though he's a Spaniard, he's actually really good on grass. I believe win-loss-wise, in terms of percentage, grass is his most successful surface, I believe. So it might seem a little bit odd that a Spaniard doesn't just dominate clay blindly, and that's his best surface by far. I'm pretty sure Batista Gut's actually better on grass than clay. But the point is, I do think that based on Rublev's recent struggles to beat up on weaker competition, that also was the case in the French Open because he was dropping sets left and right in the French Open. He dropped a set in every round of the French Open, minimum, before losing in three sets a son ago. So Rublev's form has been good enough to get by, but not good enough to win comfortably. I think Batista Gut can take him here. So give me Batista Gut on the money line, and I will also go with the over two and a half sets at plus 125. It's a good price. Rublev has gone to to multiple... uh, I should say Rublev has gone to at least... I'll put it this way. Rublev's opponent has won at least one set in each of his last... Sorry, just pulling this up. Uh, So that's 1-0, 1 1-1, 2-1, 3-1, 4-1, 5-1, 6-1. So Rublev's opponent has won at least one set in six of his last seven matches. So I do think that Batista Gut can take a set. Maybe you'll see it balance out, go to a third set. Plus 125, I don't mind but I do think that Batista Gut to win the match at plus 115 is definitely how I'd go about it if I had to pick my favorite play. Now, moving on to the next tournament, it's time to get into London. So starting off with the early match, you have a matchup between Rune and Diminor, uh, relatively even. Rune is minus 112 on the money line. Diminor is minus 108. As for the actual total, the over 23 is minus 111. The under is minus 109. Alternative line, 24 games over even money, under minus 130. If you want three sets, that is available at plus 127. So first things first, going to look at the head-to-head between these players, and they faced off three times. They have never faced off on grass. Has been close, though. Divinor did win the last meeting in Acapulco earlier this year, won that one in three sets. You might remember we had Divinor to win that tournament, and Rune started cramping badly at the end of the third set. At the end of the second set, I mean. And he was basically on one foot the entire third set. Uh, Rune did beat him in Basel in 2022. And they faced off in Stockholm. And Rune did win that one in three. So you've had a couple of really close matches. I do think Diminor is more comfortable on grass. But Rune's been good. Don't get me wrong. Rune's been better on grass than I thought he was going to be. I thought Musetti was going to beat him, and that match was competitive, but Rune got it done in straight sets. Beat Cressy in straight sets, beat Peniston in straight sets. He's been good. Diminor's been good too, though. Dominated Murray and, and Schwartzman, but then had a war against Manorino. But Manorino's also good on grass, so I'm not going to fully roast him for that. But I think for the sake of this match, I do like the over two and a half sets. I think you're going to see a bit of a war in this match. I, I think I'm going to lean to Diminor. But I really don't see much value in a pick'em. I think this match is a pick'em, so I'm really not going to make a case on the side. I'm going to lean to Diminor. I don't feel great about it, but I will go with the over two and a half sets in this one at plus 127. I think you'll see a bit of a war here. 
two of the three career matches went to three sets. And Rune has definitely done a great job on grass compared to what I thought he was going to do in this event. I did not think he'd be rude bad, but I thought he wouldn't be that great. And he's been comfortable. So give me a bit of a marathon here. Give me the over two and a half sets in this match at plus 127. For the last match, you have Korda taking on Alcaraz. Alcaraz minus 220. Korda plus 190. As for the spread here, Korda plus three is minus 101. You have Alcaraz minus three at minus 119. Over under in games 22 and a half minus 110 on each side. If you want an alternative, 23 and a half games plus 105 on the over minus 135 on the under. Alternative games, you can get Alcaraz minus two at minus 150. Corda plus two is a plus 120. And if you want to take Corda to win a set, you can find that around minus 130, uh, give or take. And if you want it to go three sets, you can get that at plus 125. So starting off with the Form of both players. Alcaraz was on the ropes in the first round as he almost lost to Rinderknich. Uh, ended up winning the final set in a tie break. Then he's been dominant ever since. Beat Leshika in straight sets and beat Dimitrov in straight sets. Korda, though, has been really, really good against good competition on grass, too. Beat Evans in straight sets. Evans, good grass player in his home country. Beat Tiafo off of a grass title, won that one in straight sets. And beat Nori, once again, home country guy in straight sets. So Korda's actually been really good on grass, and he's been relatively healthy. Now, to look at the actual head-to-head meetings, you have seen one very competitive match. They fought, They faced off basically two and a half times. They faced off in Roland Garros last year. Alcaraz won in straight sets. They faced off in Monte Carlo last year as well. That went to three sets, and Korda actually won on clay. And they faced off in the next-gen finals, where Alcaraz won in straight sets, but that was first to four for sets, not first to six. So it's basically half a match. It doesn't mean anything. But anyway, the point is they never faced off on grass. Alcaraz's worst surface is grass, and Korda's best surface, in my opinion, is probably grass. So I think plus 190 is actually a little bit large, for Korda, I think he should be closer to plus 150, plus 140. Probably closer to plus 140. Alcaraz has been good, but, you know, my opinions on Dimitrov, they're well-documented. I don't trust him at all. I think Korda's been hitting the ball well. He's a very pure ball striker, and I do think that he can give Alcaraz problems. I think I'm actually going to take a spin with the dog here. I think Korda can definitely win a set. So minus 130, I like for him to win a set. Plus 190 to win the match? I think it's a bargain. I'm going to take it on principle. I had Alcaraz to win the quarter. I did not take him to win the event because I thought he might struggle against good opponents on grass later on. And I really liked Alcaraz's quarter. And it was a relatively easy quarter, to be honest. So I do think Alcaraz did what he had to do. Uh, Once again, Dimitrov I'll never trust. So I was never really concerned about him. But Alcaraz had Leshika, Dimitrov, and Rinderknecht. And Korda ended up beating Evans, Tiafo, and Nori, three good grass court players in straight sets. I like his form. The health does not seem to be a bit of a concern. Korda called himself one of the favorites in Wimbledon. And I know you can make an argument that he hasn't exactly proven anything. His deepest run was in the Australian Open in earlier this year, and then he got injured. So he hasn't really proven anything. But I kind of like the confidence. I think Kord has seen the ball well. He's hitting the ball well. And if his health can remain intact, he's really good. Just simply put, I think he's a solid player. And I think that he's going to give Alcaraz problems on the surface. So give me Korda on the money line 
at plus 190. If you want to play it safe, you could take the games or you could take plus one and a half sets at around minus 130. But for the sake of this overall match, I am going to go with the value, which I think is on Corda. I think Alcaraz is a little bit overvalued, so I'm going to take the dog in the spot. But that's going to wrap it up for the actual previews for the semifinal matches in Hala and in London. Now it's time for the Lock and Dog picks. But for it to do that, I have a quick word from our sponsor. We're also brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs is completely changing the game when it comes to shorts as they don't use a stiff restricting con uh, cotton like other regular shorts. Instead, they use a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a waist slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. On top of that, Bird Dogs also uses an anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. And when you do end up ordering your pair of shorts from Bird Dog, you also get a free Getty style tumbler with your order. Go to birddogs.com slash pool and enter promo code pool for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash pool for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Best Ball Mania 4 is here, and Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes. Underdog Pick'em is also another great way to get down your favorite MLB and college baseball player props. So many ways to win over at Underdog, and it's active in so many states. Head over to UnderdogFantasy.com. Use the promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. It's UnderdogFantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the semifinal matches in Hala and in London. Now it's time for the lock and dog picks. Starting off with the lock for the show. I'm going to go back to the last match we talked about, and I am actually going to do it. I'm going to fade Alcaraz. I'm going to take Korda to win a set at minus 130 on DraftKings. Shopping around is a great price. I think FanDuel had around minus 150. Bet, uh, Bet365 at minus 150. Bet online had minus uh, 145, but you can find minus 130 on DraftKings. So I'm going to take that. Simply put, Court is very comfortable on grass. Alcaraz, despite being good in the last two matches, is still not comfortable on grass. He's gotten more accustomed to it, but I think Court is definitely good enough and he's seen the ball well enough and hitting the ball well enough to beat Alcaraz outright, and I do think that with that being the case, Alcaraz might stumble. We saw him stumble early on against Rinderknich in the first match. He almost lost the match in general, but I think when you're looking at Korda and Alcaraz in the head-to-head, Korda has beaten Alcaraz before, so I don't think he's going to be that intimidated by this opponent. I think Korda's ready to roll. He declared himself one of the favorites in Wimbledon. Whether you agree with that statement or not, the point is he's definitely experiencing all-time confident levels in himself, and that's definitely a good sign when you're facing off against a top three player in the world. So give me Korda to win a set at plus at a minus 130 on DraftKings as my lock. And for my dog, I'm going to go back to the Rublev and Batista Agut match. Give me the dog here. Give me Batista Agut money line at plus 115. Simply put, from what I've seen in this event, I think Batista Gutz looked more comfortable. Rublev had problems with Yibbing. He had problems with Rinderknit. Uh, not Rinderknit, sorry. He had problems with Greek Spore. And even Hoffman gave him an issue for a set or so. Now, he won the matches anyway. And I know that Greek Spore is in good form. But the point is, Rublev has really not been playing great tennis. And I think that Batista Gutz, who was able to beat Medvedev and Nakashima and Vavasori in straight sets, Vavasori doesn't really mean much. But he's a servant volley guy, which is never easy to face on grass. But I really like how Batista Gutz played, and I think that him at this price is a bargain. 
it really seems like for a five to four head to head in the matchup that it's that Rublev is minus one thirty five solely based on reputation. But if you're going to be Medvedev in straight sets and you're going to give me plus one fifteen, I'm going to take it. I like the value. I think Batista Agut finds a way to get it done. So once again, the lock and dog picks for the show. The lock is going to be on Corda to win a set at minus 130 on DraftKings. And my dog will be Batista Agut on the money line at plus 115. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. We'll back once again for the final matches in Hala and in London. Until then, you can find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. Find me on the MLB show. Find me on the NBA show. Find me on the NFL show. Uh, a bunch of podcasts at WMDA, for example. But until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone. <laughs>